Hello friends, welcome to the 8th house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore, through the lens of the tarot, the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Okay. Everyone, we are talking to Jessica Lee Howard, and she is the wonderful creator and author of the Forager's Daughter Tarot and Guidebook that is just incredible. And I just want to mention how I came about finding it uh, real quick. I, at the beginning, it sounds like we, you and I were kind of on the same wavelength because Strangely, I had just kind of moved into this new house, had, was a new empty nester with my husband. I was teaching and then everything shut down for the pandemic and I, a rooster came into our yard and I had found a cat and it was just like, I began having sort of um, a, a second childhood of sorts and my childhood consisted of uh, being in nature, I was very, very introverted and shy, still am, and felt most comfortable relating to the natural world and just my backyard. And And I was sort of able to do that again, being based at home and having the great space that we have and just really getting into the animals um, instead of having to do all the things surrounding having human children. <laughs> so I went about looking to look for a deck that sort of encompassed those ideas and found you. And I was like, wow, if I had this ability to draw like this, Al is coming, excuse me one second. That's okay. <laughs> I found you and now, yep. yes, to hand it over to you. Yeah, I mean, exactly kind of like what you said. I grew up, you know, playing outside and doing a lot of camping and hiking and my parents have this really great yard at the house that I grew up in. Um, there's a lot of big trees and flower beds. And so I was always outside with animals and bugs. And those were the things that, you know, I was connecting to instead of connecting to people. I mean, I do love people and I love being um, able to engage with others through this deck. Like some of the connections I've made have been really incredible, but I've always, also been introverted and just very drawn to um, looking at nature and finding kind of like correlations and, and similarities to what I was feeling and what I was experiencing, um, you know, reflected like out there, um, you know, in animals and everything. So that's where it started. Um, you know, I always wanted to make a tarot deck and I got out of uh, art school and, you know, this was kind of the first big project that I, I did for myself. And my partner was like, you've been wanting to do this for a long time. Like, go ahead and do it. And I was like, okay, like nobody's stopping me now. <laughs> so. Wow. That's wonderful. What do you think was yeah. stopping you earlier? You mean you just like felt fully like it was time? I think I had always been trying to like express these ideas that I was able to you know, illustrate in the cards, but in art school, you know, there's pre-ascribed projects, 
you know, like props. Oh, right. And right. There's kind you of had the time. Yeah, <laughs> the there's time expectations. And yeah, right, right. Exactly. I had the skills finally, and I guess just the understanding of what it really was that I wanted to say, you know, with my work. Um, so. <laughs> so, were you always someone who knew the tarot, or did that happen along the road somewhere? Like, how I... did those two nature and your desire to do it and see something reflected in your work yeah the tarot like where did you find the tarot along your path I don't really know I bought my first deck online when I was like 13 and it was the enchanted tarot by Amy Zerner I've always been interested in you know like the idea of magic and um I guess like you know even witchcraft like when I was a kid we were making you know like potions with mud Right. Oh my God. I'm having like stuff. total deja vu when you said that. I'm like, yes, yeah. yes. That, that, that is alchemy and temperance Definitely. and witchcraft. It's, it's the idea of, you know, I think using what's available to you, using your surroundings um, and having an understanding of kind of your place in your surroundings and being able to you know, make adjustments, whether that's like your mindset or your, your actions. Like to me, that's, that's what like magic is. That's um, totally how we just talk about the yeah. magician. If you right. listen to the episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I've always kind of been interested in that sort of thing. And like I said, I bought my first tarot deck when I was 13 and I used it a lot for a while. And as I got a little bit older, I kind of you know, stopped using it, you know, um, figuring out college and just like life stuff. Um, and so over the last, you know, few years, I've really gotten back into it. And I created the Forager's Daughter Tarot as a way to refamiliarize myself with the cards um, and really learn, you know, the mm -hmm. meanings of each card. I was like, what's what better way to do that than to make it them. really is I just want to chime in because that's that's exactly what I did I was learning and trying and trying I'm so like I'm I can express myself visually but it's more like to express mm -hmm. it's like an output um mm -hmm. as far as my input and my learning style I I really rely on auditory um like sound I, I kind of think of myself as a bat or I like, I use echolocation. It's really yeah. odd, but um, I'm not the most visually strong person. Um, so a, a lot of people don't get that. They're like, well, you're a photographer. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like feeling things and it's a way to get it out, you know, like to totally capture the something. same way. Um, really? It's so, and my partner laughs at me all the time because he'll be explaining something to me. And I'm like, I can't see it you know, like visually in my mind, I can't see it. I, I have know have I have that same physical issue. thing. I have to have it written down or some kind of physical image. I feel um, like my, my mom always says like, I could not um, read. I was not a strong reader and mm -hmm. she was just so baffled by it because I was her first kid and she yeah. is a very strong reader and very literary and an English teacher. And so she was like, <laughs> why won't my child read? Is she lazy? You know, all this stuff. And she finally figured out that, um, and it didn't make sense because I loved writing and I mm -hmm. loved words and mm -hmm. expressing myself, but she helped me realize with me, it was more like an output versus mm -hmm. how I take in information. Very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I just don't process visually very well. And I, I can't 
picture ideas, which is mm -hmm. so funny for visual artists to, to admit that. <laughs> like, that's really wild. It is. It's strange. I don't get it either. Um, <laughs> so yeah, making the tarot was really the best way for me to dive back into that practice and really become, you know, familiar with, with all of the meanings. Yeah. And it really makes it personal. I feel mm -hmm. like. So do you, um, before I move on to your process in that, I wanted to ask, do you kind of relate to any one card over the other? I know you, I'm going to save the cards that you said were your favorite cards, but yeah. I was interested to know, like you, since we've been exploring the archetypes of the cards, do you kind of see them as, or at least the majors, um, as sort of archetypes? And if so, like which card would you say you are? And I'm also interested if that, if it's a minor too, cause I'm, I like a lot of those too, that feel like they're me. Yeah, I do think that they're definitely archetypes, um, you know, different facets of, you know, ourselves and people that we meet throughout our lives for sure. Um, I, I have always felt drawn to the hermit card um, going back to being an introvert, and I really value um, my solitude and being able to, you know, step back from everything going on in the world and kind of just refocus and listen to, you know, what what I'm feeling and, and what's going on, like, inside, you know, internally, um, and filtering all that, you know, as a way to, you know, express and, and interact with other people. So I think that's the card definitely that I mm. relate to the most. Um, but it's so hard because there's so many cards that I love. I know. It's such the a... archetype of, or I love yeah. um, the meaning. And, and I think at different points in my life, you know, I've, I've been drawn to different cards. I think it really depends on what somebody's going through and kind of what stage in their life they're at. Yeah. And with being a photographer, I kind of have come to see it as almost like, like in a divinatory way, if you draw a card, it, or, you know, you apply it to the question that you have asked as, as mm -hmm. advice, um, or your querent, when it comes up, I sort of think of that as, and how it connects with the other cards, of course, as sort of a snapshot, like that's yeah. like taking a picture of that because as, as a photographer, I have really come to appreciate how the magic of it is that it's never the same. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a different art form, similar to maybe per live performing, where it's like you can't possibly recreate the same thing twice. I mean, it is like yeah. that with visual art as well. But um, I think the snapshot analogy is really perfect because it is like in this moment in time, that's what the energy is reading as but it's exactly. going to change you know it's not right even a split there. second later like with photography yeah. like it, if I waited another second the light could be slightly different yep um yeah it's really interesting so then then I I always like to explore the idea of like are things fixed in our destinies or are they changeable like by the way that we can affect them mm -hmm. and so that makes me start thinking like how do you overall see the tarot structure and how the minors fit in with 
the whole system because that really interests me because we have the major arcana which is the 22 um trump cards or um i hate that word now <laughs> um <laughs> or the um the fool's journey it's sometimes called um, that's kind of how we're following it where it's archetypes yeah. and sort of like um on our podcast we're sort of approaching it like the fool is encountering these archetypes along his life cycle mm -hmm. uh, and then I, i've had an interesting thought my husband actually a novice tarot reader himself actually brought up the um the life cycle of each of the suits, which I thought was really interesting. And then I've tried to kind of explain it, overview the whole thing. And I got kind of stumped and I was like, how do they parallel each other or not? Or, and then I noticed, sorry about all the questions compounding, no. <laughs> I'm getting excited. But the, um, the way that you um, ordered your minors. So mm -hmm. yeah, can you talk about all that for a minute? Sure, I think that's a really, good question and something that will definitely take a lot of contemplation and probably revisiting. Um, I feel as though if the major arcana are like the archetypes, you know, like you said, along the fool's journey of kind of the, the people and the aspects of their experiencing, maybe the minor suits are I don't know how to explain it like um like the actions mm, like how we can affect the major yeah things. yes yeah I've I kind of subscribe to that view um mm -hmm. myself I think maybe the bigger picture I think I can't remember who I heard it from but that the majors are almost like weather fronts where mm -hmm. like we can't as much affect them by our mm -hmm. own behaviors and things that we can do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But um, I still get confused. Like if a, if a reading has no majors or doesn't really uh, tie in any major mm -hmm. uh, themes, it's like, ha I'm not really sure what to do with this. Does this mean you're like, you're just having sort of a ho-hum existence lately and like here's some things you could look at like I, I don't know I'm still ex exploring that I guess I would probably look at the minors as this seems really obvious to say but um, subdivisions of the major so for example if you look at like the lover's card um, I would think about the twos in the minor suits so like the two of cups um, kind of picks up on that lover's energy of, you know, two really compatible energies working together. I, I would think of like, maybe not well, even the twos, but I'm thinking. Yeah, of I was like interested the, in how you chose that because the lovers are card six, you know, they're six. Right. So I have heard people say, oh, so you would look at the sixes. No, I'm thinking so. now in um, my head of like the relationship aspects of mm. the minor suits. So like, the five of wands to me is always like two people that there's this conflict in between them or this like blockage of communication or action. And so that could be another aspect of like the lover's card. Like it's about this kind of dynamic energy and how those two facets are working together. Um, so you might pull so the you're lovers. Just, oh, okay. You're saying like, if you pull a card, how 
the minors would then um it kind of like expands on the major I gotcha. a little bit so you're talking about within a reading if you pulled the mm -hmm. lovers and then if you got other minor cards or not I mean even if you're just um you know I I when I do readings for myself um and for others if there's no major cards present I don't really think about it very much I guess I just think of the cards as kind of an overall message and so you would know, you say it's like an intuitive process for you where you're like, just kind of go to the card in your head, like you did with the lovers, like, oh, well, this mm -hmm. makes me think of this, this theme or archetype. Definitely. Yeah. Gotcha. I, so it's it, like the overarching, like advisor when you look at what, whatever minor card comes up. Yeah. And I think if you look at the major cards, um, you know, you can, if you sit down and thought about it, you could see how they start to branch out into the different, you know, minor cards and, and how those energies kind of play out in different scenarios. Um, I feel like I'm not explaining it very well. No, like no, I it's very it's interesting. <laughs> Everyone has their own take on it. That's why I was so interested to talk yeah. to you. I think um, it's something definitely to think about, you know, how they do relate to each other. And, and like the narrative obviously doesn't stop with the end of the major arcana. So what is that continuation into the... Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's so, it's just so individual, mm -hmm. individualized to like how people mm -hmm. interpret it. And that's what I'm really interested in because I was faced with trying to give an explanation, like an instructional overview. And I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> they don't necessarily line right up with the, <laughs> right. you know, like they don't. Right. Uh, so it's just, I like to hear different people's perspectives on how it works, mm -hmm. like the structure. And I was just curious, like how that your, your own design, like the mm -hmm. way you thought of, um, how you like, did that come into play with like how you structured putting your, I noticed your cups were first, whereas I've always seen wands, cups, swords, pentacles, and yours was a little different. Honestly, I think it was just because it was alphabetical. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Yeah. For the book's sake. Um, I don't think that one has any more priority over another I see them all as very equal and um you know like I said it's, it's really based on like that snap that snapshot of in that moment like what is going on if I pull a cups card you know that tells me that there's something I need to focus on with with my emotions or my you know um my internal you know kind of mental landscape um well, so let me stop you there. So how do you conceive of every suit? Like, so emotions for cups. I, ha yeah. I typically hear that. Definitely cups, uh, I feel is, you know, our emotions, our feelings, the way that we're kind of um, interpreting what's happening around us. Um, swords, I always think of communication. Um how things are carried and expressed, um, you know, to others out in the world. Whereas like cups might be, you know, an internalized expression. Um, mm -hmm. Wands, wands I always have a hard time with, um, but. Me too. <laughs> those are always, I imagine kind of like the action energy, what's, what's driving these decisions or these. Um, the drive. You know, yeah. Yep. 
and then pentacles is you know i've heard people uh, describe the pentacle suit as relating to health and i definitely see it as like the physical realm where you know like i would ascribe wands and pentacles as more physical and swords hmm. and cups as more um intangible you know hmm okay if that makes sense um yeah no it's just interesting because i would i would i think of swords as the most internal personally yeah. because i think of it as the thoughts behind things mm -hmm. but that is matter thought and communication yeah. becomes matter um and so you're right in a way cups is is very private and internal it's your mm -hmm. feelings and your intuitions about things. I tend to think of wands in that way too. Like it's very mm -hmm. internal. Um, what is personally motivating or driving or inspiring? I think it's hard too, because I feel like they definitely, you know, like affect one another. So almost overlap. Yeah, they do. And so I, I, I never try to, when I'm doing a reading, just say that this card means this one thing. Like if I get a feeling that you know, it's a swords card, but it's talking about, you know, my, my personal understanding of a situation, then mm -hmm. I'll totally, you know, gravitate towards that, like, emotional aspect of the swords card. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it, it should all be kind of fluid. Yeah, for sure. So do you associate element with those suits? I did for the deck. Um, I don't really, I don't know that I've ever really thought about elements like in my readings I don't I know that okay. people look at like astrological signs and connections to different cards and you know those have elemental connections to them as well um it helps me learn a lot because I really have yeah. an astrology background like right that's how I kind of like once I got that there were elemental characteristics I was like oh oh okay mm -hmm. it was like a light bulb yeah I did want to include that kind of in the visuals of the deck um, mm -hmm. and make your choices kind of based to where people will go oh yeah exactly this, yeah this kind is of the elemental open. feeling yeah so people right. can take it or leave it like they can mm -hmm. it's easy to understand that this you know the cups is water or the wands is fire um but if you don't use that then it's you know it's just there visually but if you do use right. it then you know, and then understand. And talking about Wicca or witchcraft or mm -hmm. um, paganism, neo-paganism, um, nature-based belief systems, I am interested in also like directional um, mm -hmm. quality. Do you have any association with that? I like how you break yours down, like compass. That's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm kind of a believer that somebody's like the, that kind of compass is going to differ for each person. Um, so for me, for instance, when I think of like the elements um, directionally, I do think of water as kind of a north because I'm in Ohio and the Great Lakes are oh, north yeah. of me. Yes. And so to me, that's um, yeah, it's you know, a huge, like, you know, inspirational source um, physically that is north for me. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, but I know that, you know, other people kind of do the more traditional, like, I think water is west. Yeah, water um, in the west. Right. 
because it's so, emotions and like the past and mm-hmm. nostalgia and stuff sure that makes sense yeah yeah I'm I'm confused about all the rest of them like I can't <laughs> I'm I have to a degree um synesthesia where you okay. like blend yeah. your senses and so my associations with things are very strong and they're very personal and feeling mm-hmm. like sense-based where I can't there's no logic behind it but like some things I just can't get behind because I'm like no right <laughs> that's wrong it I don't just doesn't make right sense yeah <laughs> so like I love what you said about water in the north but I would never come up with that like I just don't feel that personally yeah. but it makes sense when you explain why that is to you so yeah mm-hmm. it's just so interesting how we can all think of it so differently mm-hmm. definitely I didn't want it to be you know, overly complicated, and I wanted it to be accessible to as many people as possible. And I was already concerned that because the imagery was so personal to me, that the symbols and and all of the icons and everything in the cards maybe people wouldn't understand. So, kind of the rest of the structure around the deck, I really mm. wanted to keep it traditional and that makes sense. Um, like I said, keep it kind of open, you know, for others to interpret however they yeah. they want to. That's a good idea. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Um, and it so turns you- out that people really did understand the imagery, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, like when I am trying to come up with my suits for you know because I'm still going okay I want to make this deck of like mm-hmm. rooster owl and the backyard gang you know and I love it. so I'm like which animals should I include and in, because I like you I want to simplify it and not make it overly all over the mm-hmm. place and use too many different animals so I'm thinking like okay what animal wants to be the theme for this suit what animal you know and I'm yeah. and I may be overthinking it so I don't, I don't know. I'm just interested in your choice of like, at least in your original, because uh, you're, you've embarking on a new one. We'll talk about that, but your hierophant is a frog, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so the, the frog is a really strong personal symbol for me because, you know, like I said, of growing up in this big yard with all these trees and flower beds, like toads were everywhere I mean is he a toad or a frog I'm sorry if I misspoke uh I think that one's a toad there's a bullfrog that's okay there's a bullfrog and the queen of cups I think um frogs and toads both I mean they they were just so much a part of my childhood growing up and I feel that I really learned about life and kind of like natural cycles by watching these, you know, toads, um, there's a few other animals that I feel similarly towards, but to me, the toad was like the teacher, you know, the, yeah. it translated into the hierophant in such a nice way of, right. This is, this is what's familiar to me. This is who I looked at, you know, to understand like springtime or, you know, babies or. And then was there any, yeah. was, yeah, I love that completely. Um, is there any, like, logic or system that you used um to decide on who represents what suit or is it just kind of a blend or like was it was really um just card by card um yeah I think that I did try to kind of keep it 
within an elemental theme, you know, like with the cops, um, like they're mostly water creatures um, or animals found near bodies of water. But I really took it one card at a time and really thought about, okay, what's the message of this card and what animal makes sense? Um, but there's other decks, like I'm thinking of the Oak, Ash, and Thorn deck where yeah, yeah, uh, no, I have Stephanie, that too. Yeah, she picked like different creatures to represent, you know, the Maya right. suits. That's kind of what I had in my mind when mm -hmm. I was asking that question. Yeah, totally. And I think that's that's valid too because there are definitely animals that embody kind of that overall energy right. of those minor suits. And at the same time, like when you're being creative and you're in that process. I'm sure there's an element of not wanting to be redundant or typical or like what everyone else has done. Like mm -hmm. to me, for instance, owls are so overused. I, <laughs> I mean, I love them. I've got I a huge feel connection. The same way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh my gosh, get kind of think outside the box, use a different. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I just wanted to also just commend you for all the insects that you include. Thank you. And not everybody loves insects, but I mean, I could do an entire deck on my experiences with insects and invertebrates and yeah, they're such fascinating little aliens. I think so too. I, I love watching them. Um, I'm, I am terrified of bees and wasps, but hmm. I think they're so interesting and, you know, I'll watch them from behind my window Oh, that's a great point. I have a friend um, online who is, um, I, I don't even know the word for it, but she studies wasps exclusively and she did illustrations for this wasp oh, cool. um, yeah. book. Um, it, it's just astounding. And I remember um, I've asked her a lot of times when I encounter things like a few years ago, I got stung by a yellow jacket mm -hmm. and the side effects were just really bizarre um so it was so painful and i felt sick and everything but i noticed that the chronic pain that i have from conditions that i have was gone and i don't know and to me like you just made me think of maybe i could i would use yellow jacket as hierophant i mean who knew <laughs> yeah she yeah, taught me a thing that. or two and it's a very female energy because only the females sting apparently i didn't know that yeah that's it's what like I mean. A, like insects are so interesting and I think they, they do get a bad rep. Well, definitely uh, mosquitoes. I definitely always go, why, why do we have to deal with mosquitoes <laughs> and maybe fleas? Those are the only two mm -hmm. that I have a problem with. Um, even, even ants. I, I just, I love when ants are included in decks. I think they're mm -hmm. the most, you know, they can drive me crazy in my surroundings and but I just watch how they work together and it's just so yeah. fascinating mm -hmm. so um well I wanted to I guess ask you you mentioned your favorite uh minor cards and then if I could add major cards too yeah if you want to talk about those three that you mentioned you said you're they were really fascinating the world which I love and the hanged man Mm -hmm. and uh tower mm -hmm. so yeah i before i give you my opinion i'd love to hear what you think about them sure well so i i do really like the world cards um if you're thinking about the fool's journey and the major arcana you know like that is 
that's the completion of the journey. And so I feel like at that point, you have learned all of these lessons and you've really become aware of who you are as a person and your place in the world. Um, so when I designed that card, I was thinking about this idea of the Axis Mundi, and which is like the, the center pillar that transcends all planes of existence. But I was thinking of it as if like the person reading it is the Axis Mundi. And so there's this world mm. happening around you all the time. It's always happening and it doesn't stop. But you know, at some point you're able to really understand your place within all of that, you know, within the micro and the macrocosm and how you're affecting the things around you and how they're affecting you. Um, so it's almost like stasis, like stillness, like the, the core yeah, that doesn't change. Definitely. Sure. Um, Cause I'm, I'm thinking of what we just said about the everything else is constantly, constantly in flux and changing. Mm -hmm. So when you do a reading, you're taking a snapshot in time. Mm -hmm. So the world is that, but the axis Mundi is like the stillness within that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that you can, you know, you can step outside of that and kind of look in from the outside um, to like, understand so you can be a part of, of the constant change exactly. and you can look inward. Yeah. Or you can yeah like step outside of yourself and look in mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. That's kind that's of how I understand the world card. Um, and, you know, to, to me, that's, that's the goal is to, you know, all, like achieve that sense of awareness and understanding. Um, that's and, there's and, a part of you, like no matter what life you're, what part of your life cycle, what incarnation you're in, that is like your core. Yeah. almost like yeah. your, your, your true soul or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is neat. And, and I think about like the, um, is the axis Mundi, um, like a scientific term talking about like on a globe or like the actual earth? I think it's a, a metaphysical term. Okay. Um, I learned what about is it, it when I was, I was going to say, I learned about it when I was in school, I had a project that it was part of a prompt and, you know, there, there is like the axis of the earth, the axis yeah. of the earth where it rotates around. Um, it's not a, you know, it's not a physical pole going through the earth, but it is right. this idea that yeah. there's this center um, where things are, you know, revolving right. around it. Yeah. That's kind of how I was picturing it. And then mm -hmm. also like, what is that? Um, core like mm -hmm. the earth's core you always hear about is that mm -hmm. kind of the same idea um I mean it could be if you want to think about like really physical tangible examples of it um but I cool. I imagine the earth's core is you know constantly shifting and changing as well um so I, I do yeah, think it's more of like a, a spiritual you know kind of metaphysical um invisible axis that each person is their own axis Monday. Um, and then there's, you know, the larger yeah. kind of center of the world, um, the universe, you know, there's so many different. And then maybe lenses. like a collective one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. And then I can imagine like every celestial being or every being would have its own. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then every 
solar system or whatever. <laughs> That's a really it's neat. like never ending. Yeah. 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 <laughs> micro, macro, micro, macro. Mm -hmm, exactly. Um, yeah. That's very cool. Um, and then your other, other favorites. All right. Um, the hanged man, the idea of, you know, when I, when I think of the hanged man, I, I think of this idea of sacrifice and the hanged man is, you know, upside down. He's losing coins and things from his pockets. Um, so he's losing like these earthly possessions, but he's gaining this new perspective by, you know, inverting himself. Um, so this idea of sacrifice and allowing things to change around you, um, you know, and so in my deck, I, I used the chrysalis as an example um, of, you know, the, the caterpillar who goes through this really intense transformation. And it's like the sacrifice of previous form, you know, to gain the insight and the new perspective of becoming a butterfly or a moth or whatever. Um, so I, I think that that's always something that is, is really relevant, uh, you know, to, to my life specifically, like I'm always thinking about, okay, like, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to mm. let just change and, you know, go with the flow, like it's going to happen. Um, and that kind of ties into the tower card as well, where I think the tower card has this, you know, really bad rep of being this terrible omen and, I, I do think of it as this inevitable change that you either yeah. see it coming or you don't. And someone um, described it as you can either jump from the tower or you can fall with it. So it's like, you know, either way this change is happening, um, you know, this destructive energy is happening and you can either, you know, go along with some intention you know, about how you're dealing with it, or you can be completely oblivious and kind of let it, you know, destroy your life. Yeah. Um, I just think they're, they're really interesting cards and I think they're pretty powerful in their message. Um, and again, just, you know, things that I see happening all the time, you know, current events, um, you know, per personal stuff going on, just, that energy of change is, is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that a lot in your writing and your book mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it, it brings to mind how we're finding out in our podcast, as we have these conversations about each card in order, we're kind of finding out, oh my gosh, they're so connected. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I, I kind of had that in mind. And I looked back at your writing and the cards that those three cards, and I was like, yeah, they're so similar, like, but they're so distinct from each other at the same time. It's just, it, it's really fascinating how the themes kind of just keep connecting through the fool's journey. Um, yeah. And I think that goes back to our conversation about the minor cards too, like that they, they do overlap and, you know, it, it's not always, you know, distinct to this specific realm or idea. Right. Um, I think it's, it is much more fluid than that. Right. Um, like with the, the, you talking about sacrifice, it's wild. Cause I even thought about the Empress, um, mm -hmm. becoming a mother and mm -hmm. sort of the, it's like hanging upside down, like yeah. laboring and opening yourself up literally to like Definitely. what's going to happen during the process and who you might 
give birth to. And um, like in my case, uh, a C-section after five days of laboring. And <laughs> so it was like anything can happen. And so I did um, have to kind of do that bodily spiritual sacrifice that the hanged mm -hmm. man does and just kind of let it happen. And I, I remembered a time when I was little and I used to love hanging upside down and just like allowing this other way of experiencing things. So it, it can be scary. Like, so now as an adult, the hanged man for me is strangely much more difficult than the tower mm -hmm. um, because it's sort of in my charge. Like it's sure. not that bad. It's not that sudden. Mm -hmm. you can see it coming you just you're hanging out and sometimes yeah. that's like to me the most excruciating thing like that in between state and so yeah I love that that's a, a chrysalis because could be a really profoundly beautiful change that just mm -hmm. you know there's a reason for it and sometimes it's hard to see when you're in it in that mm -hmm. just limbo Absolutely. I think that's a great way to explain it. Um, so did you, oh, and I, th I think of the world myself as um, it's interesting. I always get it when, when there's a death, like a, a pet dies, or I have a little memorial garden for my poor little short-lived rat oh. friends. And um, they have little stones, heart stones that I've gotten from someone. So with their names and it's in a circle and then that's mm -hmm. in a circle and a little grove of trees and then I, I just imagine like the circles keep getting bigger and bigger like the neighborhood is a circle and then <laughs> you know like oh yeah totally yeah. and I, I love like I mean that, that goes back to you know pulling the world card for you know this physical loss mm -hmm. I think people if you were looking traditionally like at the meanings of the cards, people wouldn't think of the world as relating to, you know, that, that process. Um, the cycle is over. Yeah. Like, but it does. And it, it all overlaps and it's all connected and. And it begins anew. Like yep, that's the thing. Exactly. That's so sweet. I had rats too, when we were growing up <laughs> and I love oh, them. They are so, so sweet. Mm -hmm. They're, they're just the smartest little beings. Um, so with that said, do you have, um, well, I wanted to ask you about minors, like if mm -hmm. you had a certain one that relates or anything, but I also wanted to ask, um, since what we talk a lot about on the show being that I have studied thanatology, death and dying, um, mm -hmm. and Sarah is a psychic medium. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we talk about loss and afterlife themes quite a lot. So didn't know if you had any eighth house like planetary in your chart or if you see uh if you just I've always been super interested in like past lives um and you know the idea of how we were you know in in other planes or um you know other existences um but I've never done a past life regression um I've never had a, a near death or, you know, experience yeah. or anything. Um, Is it visitation or anything like that? Yeah. I would say that I'm, I'm pretty intuitive using tarot, um, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't feel any particular like specific energy outside of that. Um, I have had 
I, you know, I think messages from people that I've lost, you know, around the time of their passing, just things that I've noticed. Um, and I do have a, a small section on my altar for ancestors. I've got some personal belongings there. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in personal belongings and how they connect us. Yeah. Like how matter connects us to spirit or has yeah. the capacity to. Definitely. And I, I, you know, I use it as a way to, you know, sit down and, and think of them. Um, you know, I've got um, like my grandma and grandpa and um, some other, you know, human ancestors yeah. there, but I've also got my first cat. I've got a picture of him in a locket that's there because uh, he was such a, a big part of my life growing up. So I include him in my ancestors. Yeah, um, for sure. I know you would agree like animals are totally you know, in that category. So I think because there's no verbal words attached to it and you yeah. can just kind of sense it or feel the energy. Mm -hmm. And so it's pure and it's just like, I get that a lot with insects. So yeah. I didn't know if you'd had anything that stands out that you wanted to share. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of situational and I feel like there's long periods of time in between when I notice things like that, you know, nature as a reminder, like, I guess, sort of a memento mori type thing um, of our own mortality. And, um, you know, when we're out hiking or anything, uh, you know, if there's a, a carcass or, um, you know, I, I can think of examples of, like, my dad's a hunter, um, you know, so mm. having animals, you know, brought back um, that, we used to, you know, sustain ourselves, but like realizing that, you know, they've given up their life, you know, for that, yeah. um, you know, I think about the larger picture of out there, you know, in the woods, in the forest, uh, you know, things are always vying for survival and they're yeah. always trying to take something else's place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like, you have to think of yourself as part of the ecosystem. Exactly, exactly. And I the think that's something. <laughs> yep. I think that's something that people forget, like humans forget that right. we have these like safety precautions in place, but really that, right. you know, if something yeah. wanted to take you out, it could. And there's bacteria that's and viruses that are, you know, always trying to take your place and survive and, you know, grow and it's just everywhere. You're like, it, you're not separate from that mm -hmm. life chain. Um, I, I have been a vegan before, but I eat mm -hmm. meat. I eat chicken and my favorite person is a chicken. So it's right. like, <laughs> I have to like, it's funny because we call it hawk when we make chicken to that's eat. So funny. Yeah. Cause that's his <laughs> nemesis. So he can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we're serving up hawk today. Right. <laughs> Um, I guess I think of it as like a spiritual thing, it, just in the fact that, you know, balance of life and death is always happening, like yeah. this, this interchange of, exactly. um, you know, energy or whatever. I wish that so. humans were a little more like, it wasn't so sinister. They're exactly. not assigning any emotions or anything to it, you know? That's just what they know to do. Yep. So did you have any minors that stick out to you that you like? Mm. I, what's funny is that, so I'm not a very emotional person. I am, but I'm very like private about it and I don't express my emotions. Um, and, but so saying that 
I I do feel drawn to the cups, a lot of the cups cards. Um, yeah. Do you I think it's because it's like a deficit? Like, yeah, we, we've talked about that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely my subconscious being like, you need to think about this. Like right. you're drawn to this card because you got to work on it. <laughs> what, what's your favorite um, of the cups? Do you have one? Um, I do really love the queen of cups. I, I like the qualities that she embodies, you know, like being able to empathize, um, you know, but also like express herself clearly and um, just being like accepting and, um, you know, healing for others. And I think those are things that I, I would like to be, you know, I'd like yeah. to be like the yeah. source of comfort and, you know, a, a, a pool for people to reflect you know, their own, uh, life, you know, stuff, um, to help them understand themselves better. Um, kind cool of those qualities. Wow. Mm -hmm. Do you say that in your book? I don't think so. I just thought of it. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us about what changes are you making? What's this new, um, the new endeavor afterlight. <laughs> so it's the same. The cards are the same as the previous edition. Um, but I, I really felt like I could just like design wise, like I could make it a little bit more cohesive. Um, you know, I, when I, we were thinking about the term afterlight, um, it's this idea of like twilight, like the kind of the liminal, you know, in between mm. space between waking and sleeping. And I think of that way about tarot where you're tapping into like this kind of in between space between your conscious and your subconscious mind, um, you know, to access this information. So I really wanted it to kind of feel that way visually. Um, so we've got like, you know, the, I still got the purple because I love purple, but like this, you know, gold accents as like, you know, thinking about like the twilight sky and the golden hour. Um, I love it. It is very, um, um, I'm trying to think of the word ves vespertine. Like Ooh, when deers come out, deer come out. Oh, it's like, right, yeah. that's a, the name of the, the type of animal. I think rabbits too, where they come mm -hmm. out in that twilight or yeah. dawn in between light, the liminal light, the afterlight. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's the kind of purple that it evokes for me. Just a very, Good. you know, mysterious, just waking up. Like my, yeah. my time is, is the early morning. So. Mm -hmm. Right. The sky is like changing that color. Yeah. I love it too. I have a lot. I've always painted that color in my home. So yeah, I mean, it was, I, this is the third edition of, of the deck. And like I said, I just, I felt like I really loved the previous versions. Um, you know, I, I have my copy that I use for my personal readings and I, I do love kind of how dark and moody it is, but it felt like it needed to be kind of lightened and elevated a little bit. So you know, all of the, you know, inherent meanings are still there. Um, I did add five additional cards to the major arcana. I saw that. They look great. I was Thank like, you. wait a second, are these in my original? No, they're not. No. And that was kind of like, so the idea of afterlight is also like retrospect. Um, so after having, you know, designed the deck and all of the cards and thought about all of the meetings and the narratives and everything, I wanted to add kind of like an afternote to the major arcana of, you know, these are kind of the core ideals or themes that like 
I find really important and I hold, you know, to myself mm-hmm. personally. Um, and I think that they kind of encompass like the forager's daughter um, mm. narrative. Um, and that name, is that, does that have to do with actually your, your father or what is, yeah. where does that come from? Yeah. So yeah, my, my dad's a hunter, but he also taught me how to forage for mushrooms. Um, my mom's a gardener and she knows all kinds of, mm-hmm. you know, like native and wild plants also. So that's awesome. So it makes the, sense. Yeah. Over the years, we've really grown like our foraging skills and I always like bring it back to my parents. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like every time I encounter something that has daughter in it, it's going to be good. (laughs) I don't know why, but it's like, I've read so many books with that in the title and I'm like, oh, it's going to be a good one. I feel like the daughter is like a really strong archetype. Mm, You're right. Um, I kind of feel like in the Thoth or Toth tradition Mm -hmm. of tarot, the princess even though she's like the lowest in the family structure, mm-hmm. she's the most in tune with everything and like uh, elementally and sort of kind embodies of like that raw, liminal space. Yeah, that yeah. raw energy. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, let's wrap this up. Just like give yourself a plug. <laughs> sure, yeah. So I, um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you know, I've got a link tree with, all of my different sites there. So you can, you know, go to any of those pages, um, just look for the forager's daughter or my Instagram is my name, Jessica Lee, L-E-I Howard. Uh, I've got a website with all of my artwork on it, my illustrations. Um, I've got an Etsy shop that, you know, has a bunch of different items in it, some, you know, illustrative items and some divination items. So I love your um, enamel, very Art Nouveau um, uh, jewelry pendants. They're incredible. They're like botanical. Mm -hmm. Check it out. That like I was wondering if when we were talking about like we would call it in thanatology and grief work, linking objects like you talked about when you have um, something that connects you to an ancestor or a lost loved one. They seem like they would be incredible to incorporate with like cremains or. you know, just definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. I definitely stuff. would love to do more of those um, and different iterations too. Yeah. So in the future, <laughs> I love it. Oh, I meant to ask you, do you have a favorite animal, favorite um, insect? Oh, that's so hard. Um, oh, you love them all. <laughs> I love them all. Yeah. I really love deer. Um, so we have, we have white tailed deer here where I live and they're they're just everywhere I mean we just bought a house recently within the last year and they're all over the property you know like munching acorns and um was there any message you would glean from them uh, I think definitely like stillness and Mm. um I always think of them as being like super aware you know like they've always got their ears up um so just awareness of your surroundings and then insects uh, that's hard too. Um, at our last apartment, we had all of these incredible orb weaver spiders. Oh, I love them. I know. They're huge, huge, um, and kind of scary looking, but I was like so fascinated with them. Um, I could watch spiders forever. I love them. Yeah. So I, I do really love spiders. I love watching them. I don't want them in the house necessarily, but 
Do you know that book, The Lady and the Spider? You kind of remind me of the lady. She's a really kind gardener, and she um, she just protects the spider from getting hurt. It's really sweet. I'll have to look it up. I'm writing it down. Oh, cool. Well, I'm going to stop the recording. That's great. <laughs>